afternoon and listen to that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship. My name is Amanda Neppel. I'm one of the pastors here at the West Des Moines campus, and I am so excited to see all of you here today, those of you that are joining us here in this room, those of you that are worshiping with us online. It's great to see you this morning. Today, we are digging into what I just wholeheartedly believe is everybody's favorite commandment, and that is commandment number three, the day of Sabbath rest. And listen, I say that because I just, we just wrestle with it, don't we? Like, I feel like there's a lot of the word should associated with Sabbath rest. And we're not really sure about why we should, how we should, why did God give us this commandment to take a day? What is all that about? And so that's what we're going to explore today. Now, I need you to know as we dig into this and, and go a little bit further here this morning, first and foremost, I need you to know I do not always get this right. Just like every single one of you, I am a sinner who needs God's grace. And so as we continue on with this conversation today about Sabbath, we are all in the same boat, friends. It's, we're doing okay here, you know what I mean? Like we've got Jesus, so uh, we're, uh, we're hanging out together. We're recognizing that we don't get this right all of the time, and we're letting God fill that space in our life and let his grace for us be enough today. So I just want you to get that as we head into this conversation about Sabbath this morning. Uh, here last week, so um, we got home a week ago yesterday, uh, 35 of us, 35 women here from Hope, went up to the Boundary Waters of northern Minnesota, and we had a wonderful time, and it was a pretty unique Sabbath experience for many of us. Um, there was 11 women who went out on on trail. They went on the canoe trip. Some of them are there. Well, we're all there in this picture. They're the ones who look especially happy to be back together with other people. Uh, but they uh, had an experience where they really roughed it. They slept in tents. They did the thing. None of that sounds appealing to me. I just got to be honest with you about that. I stayed on base uh, with some other folks, which is certainly more my style. But I talk about this as a Sabbath experience because People were allowed to disconnect, and they were allowed to connect with God in whatever way made the most sense in their heart. So what you found was that there were some women who just, they took naps without interruption, and they just rested. And there were some women who uh, brought their hobbies and their craft things that they were working on. They brought those along with them, and they did that. There were some who did puzzles. Uh, there were others of us who were like, if I'm up here, I'm going to be outside. So we did some more hiking and some more canoeing and that kind of thing. But people were allowed to use their own personality in the way that God has wired them. And they were allowed to just rest with God in that space. And it was really incredible. You're going to see as we go through the message today, I've got most of my slides are pictures of landscapes, nature. Uh, and every single one of those pictures are just pictures that I took with my smartphone. Uh, and sometimes I didn't even try very hard. I'm just like, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful, right? Uh, and you're going to see those here in the um, as we continue on today. But that's kind of what I want to say about, um, about that trip and about how it relates to Sabbath. Because here's the thing. God could have just given us a world that met our needs. God could have just given us a world where we had what we need to get by. But God didn't stop there. God lavishly poured out just extraordinary beauty breathtaking beauty, breathtaking things that God, that he had made and, and created for our delight and our enjoyment. 
just so that we could experience them. And the thing about all of that is this. The Boundary Waters have been beautiful since forever. <laughs> I finally got a chance to go there. And so now I know about how beautiful they are. They've always been beautiful. I'm the one who just got caught up. And I think that when we think about Sabbath, what if God doesn't just want us to honor that commandment because it's a commandment, but what if God wants us to honor that commandment because he wants to show up and delight us? Because he wants to show up in that space and just like, overwhelm us with his goodness and the goodness and the love and the beauty that he wants to lavish on us. And the truth of the matter is the only reason we haven't really seen that is because we just haven't been there yet. So I want you to think about that as we continue on with this idea of Sabbath today and as we talk about what it means for Sabbath rest to be a command. Okay, so as we dig into the scriptures, what we're going to find is the first place that we find this idea of, of a rest, of a day being set apart, is way back in Genesis chapter 2. And what we find in Genesis chapter 2 is uh, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. Now, if you take out your Bible or if you open your Bible app and you look at your footnotes, you're going to see that there's a little footnote there on the word rested. And if you look at that footnote, you're going to see that an equally appropriate way, an honest way to translate that word is to say ceased. You're going to get a little insight into how my brain works. You're welcome. I prefer to think about how God ceased from his work because the idea of God putting his feet up and taking a rest, this makes me a little anxious. Like when is the next time God's going to be due for a rest? And are we going to get a heads up on that or how's that going to go for us, right? But that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that God put his feet up and we all have, just have to figure it out. What this means is that God made that day in which he ceased from his creation. He set apart that day and made it holy. So that means there is a day of ceasing that God has created and God shares that gift with us. So that's the first place where we see that show up. If you move ahead a little bit further to Exodus chapter 16, you see where the Israelites have... Uh, just very recently been set free from their slavery in Egypt. And Moses, uh, with God leading the way, has led the people out of slavery. And the people are on their way to Mount Sinai, but they haven't made it yet. And they're hungry. They have this deep physical need for food, which of course they do. And so God meets them where they are, and God says, I'm going to give you this gift of manna. It's going to be on the ground. The dew is going to evaporate, and you're going to find this gift of manna on the ground. And you can harvest this, and you can eat it. It, but just only harvest what you need for a day. That's all you got to take. Just take what you need for one day. And people being uniquely people-like, of course, did not listen to God. And people thought that they had to hoard it, and they had to acquire it, and they would save it, and they would store it for safekeeping, you know, just in case. And then what they found was the next day, for all of their striving to hoard the manna, what they found the next day was that it was rotten and stinky and wormy, and it was really, really disgusting. So God says, for five days, just take what you need. On the sixth day, God says, okay, change of plans. What you're going to do today is, even though you've seen what happens to the manna when you keep it overnight, today you're going to take two days' worth. Why? Because the next day, the seventh day, is the Sabbath day, and there will be no manna on the seventh day. God says to his people who within days have left slavery, you get a day to cease from your striving. 
You get a day to not think about how you're going to survive. You get a day to play and to rest and to delight. There haven't been, hasn't been a day of play and rest and delight for the Israelites for hundreds of years. And God gives them that day to cease from their striving. Fast forward a couple of chapters and we see where this then shows up as a commandment. And we see where God says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. God is looking ahead to when the people are no longer going to be wandering in the desert. And God is looking ahead to when they're going to be in the land that God promised them. And God knows how people are. God has a much better memory than we do. And God knows that human beings almost never know when enough is enough. And God knows that human beings are almost never satisfied unless we intentionally decide that we are going to be satisfied by God. God knows this about us. And so God gives us the command to stop, to cease from your striving, because I'm telling you, this is a holy day. God ceased. You can cease from your striving and your work as well. And God knows that people are tricky. People are tricky. You know this about us. So he goes on to the second part of the commandment, and he says, and oh, by the way, you're resting, but you don't get to make other people do your work for you. They get to rest too. So you don't get to tell your sons and your daughters and your servants uh, and the foreigners living among you, they're not going to do your work for you either. They also get to have a day off. Right from the very beginning, God sets this up that this is a day of rest. This is a day of ceasing. ceasing. This is a day of trusting in God. This is a day of delight. And if you are in a position that you have responsibility over other people, it is your obligation to make sure that they have that opportunity as well. <clears throat> Why would God command this? Why does this make it into the Big Ten? Why is this so important to God? Because he knows us. Because he knows how we are. Because he knows our inclinations. And he knows that what we need more than anything is to cease and to be told to rest from all of the things that we're working on so hard, from all of the things that get to define how we believe we're doing in life. And God says, you are going to take a day and be reminded that you are my kid. You're going to take a day and be reminded that my grace is sufficient for you because that's what you need to be reminded of. You get a whole day where you get to play in that truth that you are enough, not because of what the world says about you, but because of what God says about you. It's incredible when you think about it that God would go to this much trouble to make sure that we knew that. I think in our modern existence, we kind of come into this place where we think, you know, it was probably easier for people to rest back when the Israelites were doing their thing. It was easier for people to rest when the world wasn't so complicated, when there weren't so many ways for us to be distracted. But I just want to push back on that just for a little bit, because if you think about it, if you think what the Israelites were up against, imagine, if you will, that you live in a world where if you don't take care of your animals, they don't take care of you. If you don't plant, you don't harvest. And if you don't harvest, you may not eat. 
Can you imagine being an Israelite and the people who live all around them are looking at them and maybe it's rained for a few days, they haven't had the chance to plant, and now there's a really beautiful day that is perfect for planting, but it's a Sabbath day, and so the Israelites are resisting that day and the people around them are going to be saying, what is wrong with you? Dog, get out there and plant. Or don't come crying to me when you're hungry because I'm not going to help. I mean, when your very existence depends on the work that you do, then this idea of allowing God to provide for you takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? We don't, we don't really know what that's like. So, yes, Sabbath is difficult, and, and it's, it presents some unique challenges in how we approach that, but let's not pretend that it's ever been easy for anybody. We don't have a unique card that we get to play like it's just so hard now, oh God, I can't. We don't have that. But I do want to spend just a little bit of time then understanding then Let's, we're going to dig into this. How does one actually remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? How do we do that? I had the opportunity to grow up in the church, and that was a blessing in my life. I didn't always see that as a blessing at the time, but I do now. But for myself, I would just like to say that as, here's, here's the thing. In my mind, as a kid, I'm not saying this is accurate. I'm saying this is how it worked in my mind, and we've already discovered that that's a little wonky in there. So, in my mind, Sabbath was synonymous with church, which was synonymous with the worst morning of the week. Because, like, I have a brother and a sister, and getting everybody out the door and, like, on the same, on the path, and getting everybody to the same place. We lived really, like, out in the country, so it was like a 15-minute drive, and there were many mornings. By the time we got to church, everybody's just mad, and that car ride is now, maybe in hindsight, maybe that's how my parents wanted it. Maybe this was all part of their master plan. I have absolutely no idea. But I don't remember, I don't have memories of this idea of Sabbath as a young person being particularly restful or restorative. So then fast forward a little bit, and I grow up, and like many of you, I made an interesting life choice. And that interesting life choice was I had children. And here's the thing. Parents of young kids, I'm talking to you specifically right now, parents of young kids, it feels hard because it actually is. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's not that some people have this figured out in a way that you don't. It feels hard because that's what it is. It is difficult. Your kids who you love and you would walk through, you would walk through fire for them, you know, they don't care one bit how you're doing. <laughs> they, they, just, they just don't. Uh, my kids, when my youngest was born, uh, my oldest was six, and then uh, there's number two and number three, and then there's number four. Um, and so that's one thing, that they were six and under, but then there was a three-year gap between number three and number four. So uh, that means that at one point, we had a three-and-a-half-year-old, an 18-month-old, and a newborn. And... I'm not here to like say anything about that besides because of that experience, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's really, really, really difficult. And those kids, again, they don't care if you can't remember the last time you got a good night's sleep. They don't care. They certainly don't care that God commanded a Sabbath rest. 
Not one bit. They just don't care. And so I'm saying to you as parents of young kids, give yourself a break. Because I bet when some of you came in here today or maybe you knew we were going to talk about Sabbath, I bet, because I used to feel this way, that this is one more thing that I'm not getting right. And I don't know how to get it right because they, they always need something. But of course they do. That's, that's, and you wouldn't always do it, right? But then you talk about Sabbath and you're like, I, I don't even know where to start. You know what? parents of young kids, it truly, it will not always be this hard. It will be hard in different ways. <laughs> but it won't always be 24-7, 365. Okay? So know that. Now for the rest of us who don't have Real quick, by the way, if I'm ever, if you ever see me, if you need help with your baby, if you just need a little bit of a break, your baby or your toddler, I got you. I've raised these four. They are more or less okay. Other people tell me that. So if you need a break, I'm here almost every single week. If you need a break, I got you. It would be my honor and my privilege to give you a little bit of a reprieve, okay? All right. Now, for the rest of us who don't have that excuse and who possibly are playing a little bit loosey-goosey with the Sabbath, the Bible has something to tell you and the Bible has something to say to me about that as well. And if you want to know uh, really to get to the heart of what's going on with Sabbath, as with anything else in the Bible, it's really wise to look to what Jesus would have to say about that. And so one of the things uh, that we can do is we can look to Matthew chapter, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and we can see the Sermon on the Mount and the thing that Jesus said there. And what you'll find again and again in that sermon is Jesus will say, you have heard don't murder. But I say, if you're even angry with somebody, that's pretty much the same thing. Okay, so you'll see that pattern repeated again and again. And as we continue on with the next several weeks, as we explore the commandments, you're going to find that said uh, repeatedly. Now, I say all that to you, but interestingly enough, you will not find a spot where Jesus says, you have heard, do not murder, or, do, or you have heard, remember the Sabbath and keep, the holy, keep it holy, but I say, blah, blah, blah. You, you actually won't find that, I know. But what you will find is you will talk about Jesus, you will see Jesus talk about the ways that we approach life. And you will see Jesus talk about the things that matter to us. So you will find Jesus saying to us, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is saying to you, do not get all caught up in the things of this world because they are not going to last. And Jesus goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. If your heart is divided, one of those things will get your attention and the other one will get ignored. And Jesus says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. But let's be really honest about that. We actually cannot serve God and be enslaved to anything, really. We cannot serve God and be enslaved to this idea of recognition or accolades or prestige regarding our vocation. We can't serve God and be enslaved to what other people think about us. We can't serve God and be enslaved to securing and, and ensuring our kids' success. A couple weeks ago, we talked about similar things, where we talked about uh, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You'll have no other gods before me. Here's the deal. None of the things that we talked about that week and none of the things on this list or none of the things that might be in your own mind, inherently in and of themselves, none of those things are, are bad. 
But when we become enslaved to them, then that's where things start to go sideways. And here's the thing about commandment number three that's kind of a kicker. If you can't truly remember the last time that Sabbath was something that you were able to participate in, and you're thinking about all the things that kept you from being able to honor the Sabbath, I would suggest to you, potentially because I love you, that whatever those things are that kept you from Sabbath are potentially those same things that are your little G, God. And I know that that's hard. But commandment number three is incredible in the way that it is a mirror for us. That it holds up to us, it shows us if we're not Sabbathing, what are we doing? And there's a really good chance that that's, that's your other master that's getting more of your time than it deserves. Grace abounds. That's where we started, remember? And it's also true that Jesus had his most critical words for people who uh, were trying to make Sabbath something that it was never intended to be. Because what Sabbath was always supposed to be from the day that God gave it to his people was an opportunity for them to delight and to play and to be reminded of who they were and for God to say, I see you and I love you and I made you and I'm so glad I did and creation is better with you in it. Let's hang out together. Let's be friends. That's what it was always supposed to be. But there were people, the religious leaders, who had put had taken this boundary, this play area, if you will, and they had closed the walls in so tight that now it's not a play area anymore, it's a prison. And the religious leaders were hassling Jesus because the disciples were harvesting on the Sabbath day. They were walking along, they were hungry, and they took a couple of grains of wheat and they ate them. And the religious leaders are like, what is even wrong with you, Jesus? And what's wrong with your disciples? They're not even honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And Jesus is like, you guys... The point is somewhere miles over there. The point of the Sabbath is not dotting the I's and crossing the T's and making sure that you get it exactly right. The point of the Sabbath is it was made for you, human being, because you need it. And the God who creates you knows how much you need it. So for each one of us then, what we have to do, what we're invited to do is to go to God and say, okay, God, how are we working this out? What is Sabbath? What, do you, what is Sabbath? Between you and me, what does it look like for us to hang out together? What does it look like for me uh, to, to focus for a period of time on how awesome you are, how you have kept every promise? What does it look like for me to, to hang out with you and spend time with you in that way? And so that's what we want to look at for just another second. We're going to go back to that question. How exactly does one keep, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? I want to say one of the other things that makes Sabbath difficult is it's just hard to know if you're doing it right isn't it? Like you can, it's pretty clear if you're not murdering someone, you know, it's pretty clear if you're not having an affair, but what does it look like? How do we keep the Sabbath? How do we do that correctly? That's what we're going to talk about. Last night, I kind of apparently skipped over this part because I had a lot of questions after the service. There, can I do it this day? Can I do, yes. Listen, you can Sabbath on Sunday. You can Sabbath on Friday. You can Sabbath on Monday. You're getting the pattern, yes? You can uh, start your Sabbath at sundown on one day and end it at sundown on the next day. That's the Jewish tradition of keeping a Sabbath. That's totally great. That's totally cool. Um, the thing is, as you think about this, like I Sabbath on Friday. And so sometimes you may find yourself in a position where you, 
actually have to work kind of hard on Wednesday and Thursday so that you can completely disconnect on Friday. You can imagine my conundrum. When I got back from the wilderness escape, I knew I was preaching this weekend, and I really wanted to be able to talk with you about Sabbath with integrity, so I had to work really hard on Wednesday and Thursday so that I could actually Sabbath on Friday so that I could preach about it this weekend right? You might have to do that. It's not anti-Lutheran to like work hard a little bit to get ready for your Sabbath day, but sometimes that's what it requires. I had somebody ask yesterday, can I do like four hours here and like six hours over here? And listen, I'm just going to point you back to what the Bible says on that. God calls it a day. I'm just pointing you back to that. This is between you and God. Okay? The other thing is somebody said, what if I'm doing my hobbies? Like, is it okay for me to do my hobbies on my Sabbath day? Well, first of all, it's going to depend on what your hobby is, as long as it's not, like, opposed to God. I assume that it's not, but I just feel like I need to say that. Um, But like I said, when there were the women at the Wilderness Escape, we did that, our rest, in different ways. I have friends here at work who save a lot of their gardening and their outside tasks for their Sabbath day because for them those tasks that give them life and they give them joy and they are absolutely communicating with God and for them in working in the dirt it reminds them of how God is continually caring for things the most minute of details <laughs> for me that would not be Sabbath this is why we have grocery stores I don't know But for other people, that may very possibly be a Sabbath. It's not about the letter of the law, friends. It truly is not. It's about where do you get to hang out and play with God and thank him for the way that he wired you and thank him for the gifts that he has given you. How do you rest from your ordinary work and find delight in the God who loves you so very much? He just wants to remind you how much he loves you. He just wants you to tell you that he thinks that you are outstanding. He is so glad he created you. It was never meant to be a burden, ever. It was meant to be a gift. And it's given to us as a commandment because we're just not very good at receiving grace sometimes. So the ways that we talk about Sabbath, there's a couple different ways to talk about it. We talk about a 24-hour day. And I touched on that here just a little bit. And I know that even as we talk about it, there are some of you, if you're going to be honest, who are saying to me right now, in your head, of course, you're saying to me, lady, You have no idea what my life is like. Absolutely none. And you are right. I don't. Sabbath is completely between you and God. It is completely between you and the one who loves you. It is truly none of my business. And also, the only one who is fooled or taking seriously any of whatever excuses you have, what they actually are, the only one who's fooled by that is you. Because God sees right through that. And again, it was never meant to be a burden. There are some of us, myself included, for whom our biggest problem regarding Sabbath is that we have an overdeveloped sense of our own importance. Jesus loves you. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus doesn't regret it. You are of infinite value to him. And when it comes to our vocation, none of us is all that important. Because if for whatever reason, if you stop showing up to your ordinary work, 
They will replace you. And it really won't even take that long. And before you know it, there will be somebody there who doesn't even remember when you were there. You are of infinite value, but vocationally, none of us is all that important. Understand that this desire that we have, this drive that we have to move things forward, to build upon what's been done, maybe to start something completely new, to restore things, to leave things better than they were when we found them. Understand that this drive that every single one of us has in some way, shape, or form, this was given to you by God. Way back when God created human beings and when God breathed his breath of life into human beings, that is the thing that separates us from every other creature that God created is that we share with God this creative impulse. When I say create, creative, don't let that limit you to, to works of art. It certainly can be that, but I just mean the drive to do things, the drive to, to matter. We all have that in us, and it comes to us by God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said, guess what you guys get to do? You get to take care of this beautiful place. This is your vocation. This is your call. Everything here is yours, and you get to tend to it. Isn't that incredible? And it was, and it should have continued to be that way. But just like everything else, when sin got into the world, it took that good gift of work that God gave us, and it twisted it. And so now that good gift of that drive, that ambition, that, that desire to matter, that desire to leave things better than you found them, all of a sudden now it becomes a thing that can so easily take over everything in our lives. It was never meant to be that. And the thing is, a 24-hour day of rest Honoring that Sabbath command is one of the easiest ways to be reminded that you were never meant to have to strive. You were always intended to find delight in what you do. You were always intended to find delight in God. And God continues to find delight in you. He, just, he now, through this commandment, invites you into that space. So that's the idea of the 24-hour day. There are other ways to think about Sabbath, and I want to talk about some of these with you here for just a little bit. These aren't substitutions for that, but these next things that we're going to talk about, I think, are ways that we get invited in to Sabbath, where we see God show up in ways when we, when we let this space be, where we kind of pursue some of these things. We get to see how God shows up in different ways, and it draws us in and draws us deeper into Sabbath. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the opportunity and, and maybe the need that some of us have, if we're not really too sure about Sabbath, is to get out of your comfort zone. And friends, the further you can get out of your comfort zone, maybe the better. This is 2018, and I had an opportunity to go to Ghana uh, and hang out with Pastor Sam, who's here today, and some of our other partners from GlobeServe, and it was, it was incredible. Here's what I want you to understand about this. There's so many ways that it was incredible. And I have never, in all of my born days, had less control than I did over my life, such as it is, when we were on our trip to Ghana. I went where they told me. I ate what they gave me. I, uh, 
uh, literally just wherever the bus was going, that's where I went. I didn't really have to make any decisions. I truly, I had absolutely no control, absolutely no control over any of it. And it was the most peaceful week-ish of my entire life, and it isn't even close. There is something about absolutely knowing that you have no control. <laughs> you have absolutely no influence on the circumstances around you, and you are in a position absolutely completely where you depend on God to do what God can do. And like I said, I was more rested that week than I've ever been, strangely. There was more peace in my heart that week than, than I can remember from any other time. There's also something else about putting yourself in a position like this, whether it's through uh, GlobeServe or Child Wars or any of our mission partners, particularly in, in countries uh, where poverty is the norm. I am not at all trying to romanticize poverty, not one iota. And it's also true that when you get yourself in a situation where all of the things that we take for granted that make our lives work, all of the things that make it so that if we're honest, we actually don't have to rely on God at all to get through the day. If you take all of those things away, which is what happens when you get on some of these trips, either those comforts do not exist or they don't work very well, and then you find yourself in a position where you are required to rely on the God who is ready and willing and able's, able to work everyday miracles on your behalf. Until you get into that place where you absolutely have nothing but God to smooth that path for you, when you get to that place, you're able to see it in ways that you are not able to see it in the world of Amazon Prime. I'm sorry, but we're just not able to see that the way we get to see it when we get away from that. So getting out of your comfort zone is a huge way to just pause, to reflect on who God is and what God has done for you. Our missions team has put together a video uh, to help us kind of see this a little bit more clearly. Let's take a look. Everything in our nature demands rest. but almost nothing in our lives promotes it. We were created for more than this. The phrase make time is nonsensical. We can't make time, we can only allocate it. There's a misconception about short-term missions. It's not about going and doing. It's about being and growing and giving of our time to gather for fellowship, refresh one another and observe and witness to the love of Jesus at work across cultures and communities. And in this, we grow in our understanding of ourselves, God, and God's heart for the world. When we take time away from the busyness of everyday life, we find new rhythms. In new places, around new people, we find rest. But sometimes these rhythms are lost when we return home because we treat the idea of rest as an escape from reality, not reality itself. It only takes one glance at vacation marketing to see the pervasive message. As a society, we view rest as a luxury, distinct from real life and wholly unattainable. Real life and the one who provides it is not exhausting. Like a vacation, a mission trip will end. 
but what do you take with you when you leave in exchange for your time? Not just souvenirs or photos or even the sense of accomplished work, but the relationships, the joy, the peace. When we give our time to encountering the heart of God, we will also encounter rest. And real life is exactly where the heart of God can be found. Whether it's in the contemplation of sacred spaces in the Holy Land, the encouragement of women healing in rural Uganda, in the witness and prayer of church planters in Ghana, in the collaboration of local churches and their communities in El Salvador, in the laughter of children playing on a mountaintop in Jamaica, in the relief extended to refugees seeking a new life in Abaco, in the conversations with at-risk youth at summer camp in central Iowa, or in the provision of hope across disaster-stricken nations and just down the street. Because this is real life and God is here. Did you catch that line there in the middle where uh, Shannon said, real life and the one who provides it is not exhausting. Sabbath is a posture. And what if we were to adopt that posture by taking Jesus seriously? Uh, in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, <laughs> don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. He says, God knows what you need. God wants to provide for you. And Jesus is talking about basic necessities at that point. Don't worry about those basic necessities. So how much more would Jesus say, don't worry about the to-do list. Don't worry about the perfect family outing. Don't worry about giving your kids all of the opportunities that you think they need to have. They don't need every single one of them. I mean, I know that when you talk about it, when you think about it like that, of course Jesus would say that. It sounds ridiculous for a second to not think that he would, but I live here in this community with you, and so I know that sometimes those things need to be said. Don't worry about those things. The Lord knows what you need. What if we took Jesus seriously when he said uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Understand that when Jesus comes to you and says, I am humble and gentle at heart, this is the very same God who comes to you and says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember that this is a gift given to you so that you can be reminded of the grace that has been lavished upon you. When God rescued his people from slavery and he was leading them out and he gave them the manna, what we see in that is that God did not rescue his people from their condition of being trapped to slavery so that he could then abandon them in the wilderness to figure it out on their own. And Jesus did not go to the cross for us so that every single day for the rest of our lives, we would have to spend our time striving. 
That is not what the grace that Jesus came to give us is. Jesus is physical rest. A 24-hour day of ceasing from our striving is the embodiment of the grace that God pours out on to us. When we say yes to this gift of Sabbath rest, we experience a little bit of the kingdom of heaven right now. The kingdom of heaven that we look forward to, the kingdom of heaven that we have agreed to, that is our hope that we are hanging on to with both hands. When we come into Sabbath rest, we get to experience it now, today. And we get to play with God, who we are going to get to play with forever and ever and ever. And he wants to show us that now while, we, while we're here in the middle of all of the stuff, he commands us to receive the gift of the grace that he pours out to us over and over and over again. So as we close today, we're going to close with the worship song here in this room, uh, Great Are You, Lord. And if you want to stand and sing and you want to worship and you want to praise and you want to declare God's goodness, that it is his breath in your, your lungs, I invite you to do that. If you want to head out and talk to the mission partners and get a head start because that's how you roll, then go ahead and do that as well. Receive this gift of Sabbath rest. God gave it to you because he loves you so very much.